up, beautiful people, to another episode of the podcast. It's me, Ricky Jones Jr., and we are back again for another Bible reading. Now, as you can see, the space is definitely radically different, okay? Largely because we are making moves in our home and um, um, move the kids in here because I'm painting their room. And so we're just gearing up and preparing for our move to Johannesburg, South Africa. So this was a part of it. Therefore, here it is, okay? And so a lot of movements are taking place. However, I said to myself and even to my wife I really want to make sure I'm consistent about this Bible reading with us all because not only is it beneficial for me however I know there's people on the other end that are receiving this word the truth and the Bible okay and so without further ado I'm gonna go ahead and jump back into it now we end it off as I have it recorded in Acts chapter 4 verse 31 and we will continue from there with verse 32 so I'll pray by saying I thank you Lord God for this oh so great day. I thank you for the capability and the ability to spend time in your word, Lord God. And I think that every time that we spend time in your word, it is fruitful. It is beneficial. It edifies us. It encourages us. It corrects us. And it points us along the way that you will have for us to go. I thank you, Lord God, that every time that we read your word, it is a mirror unto us that we are able to see more of who we are, whose we are, and the ability that we have because of Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And I thank you that this time will be fruitful and beneficial for all that take part. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say, amen. All right, great people. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. The timer has started and I will begin, okay? And so again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It is my preferred translation to read from, to study from, to grow from. And uh, so that's why I'm on it. I'll put a link down below if you do not have a New Living Translation Bible so that you can pick one up from Amazon, okay? All right, so it goes like this, verse 32. All the believers were unified in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they heard, excuse me, so they shared everything they had, okay? So remember, we talked about this before in uh, chapter 2, verse 42, right? So now we're in chapter Four, verse 32 and here they are united again and they have that same understanding and belief the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all so I love this because it lets us know of the focus and the direction that the apostles taught in they talked about the resurrection of Jesus right and God's great blessing was upon them all I love that all word right because the all word is in totality it covers everything and it brings in everything right and so the blessing of God was upon them all when they were what unified and they were receiving teachings of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and then it says in verse 34 there were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need so not only were they unified physically but they were also unified financially so much so that nobody around them had a need and i believe this shows us as believers in the body of Christ that there should be none among us that are in need. It's a kingdom way, right? As kingdom citizens, we should be givers to one another. We should be lenders to one another, not borrowers, right? We should be taking care of each other. I know one of my prayers is that God blesses Crystal and I to be a, uh, not a manufacturing, but a uh, in-between, right? A conduit for people to receive blessings. And so that's been our prayers. And, you know, 
know, I, I strongly believe that God will allow for resources to come our way just to see what we're going to do with it. Will we withhold it for ourselves and try to say, no, 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 no. Or if somebody asks us for a thing and we have that thing, will we give it to them? And I think oftentimes we do pass the test, right? And I'm not saying God tests us. I'm just saying myself personally, just making sure that I don't allow for things to be more valuable than God and my desire to share with others. And I challenge you all as well. When you have things that others do have a need of and it's not detrimental for you to go without it, give it away, right? Somebody compliments you on your shirt or your pants or your shoes and you have others, give it to them, right? If somebody is in need, give so that that need will be supplied. And I believe that's the way uh, the kingdom operates, right? We are all kingdom citizens. For those that are a part of the body of Christ, we are a part of the kingdom. And uh, that's then talked about in, in later chapters, or excuse me, other books of the Bible. And uh, I love it so much. I love talking about the kingdom. But anyway, that's not what this scripture is talking about, but it is uh, at the same time. But anyway, in verse 36, for instance, there was Joseph, uh, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I feel like I feel like I read this already. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I feel like I read to this. However, maybe I just read it on my own because I'm looking at what I last said I finished off at and it was verse 41. So... I'm going to just keep going, right? <laughs> We're going to see what happens. Yeah, that was a, a time period in between. But anyway, see, you see, I'm going to, let me just see. Yeah, no, it says 41. What's the last one that we did? All right, so I'm going to keep going and doing what I'm doing. But anyway, yeah, because Ananias Sapphira, we read about that. We talked about that. So, Boom Shagalaka, I read a little bit more uh, extra. So, we're going to start at chapter 6. Um... Yeah, let's go to chapter 6. So we'll read chapter 6, verse 1, which in between those, we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, which they uh, sold some of their land and they conspired between themselves, husband and wife conspired between themselves to lie to the apostles about how much money they actually gained because of the sale of their land, of their property, of their home. And upon doing so, the husband, Ananias, uh, when he went before the apostles to give what he said they earned, he he, Peter, was like, why, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? It's not me that you're lying to, but it's the Holy Spirit that you're lying to. And then my brother died. He died. Boom. Just like that. Dropped it. Bow. After hearing what Peter said, died. Bow. And then a few hours later, I believe it was like three hours later, uh, Sapphira came in. And then upon her coming in, Peter, she said the same thing um, because they had conspired between the two of them, the amount that they're going to say that they earned because of the property that they sold. And Peter was like, whoa, why, why are you doing this? Why did y'all do this? The men over there, boots are dirty now because of burying your husband and they will as well bury you. And then she dropped that. Boom. Just like that. So anyway, that was that. And here we are. But more than anything, I think that scripture 
uh, was allowing for us to see the negative sides of lying to the Holy Spirit, lying to God. There's no need to do so, right? God knows all, so there's no need to lie to God. Thankfully, we're not in a space or a place or a dispensation, as some would say, where God would call such a dramatic uh, response to us lying to him. However, the text lets us know that we don't need to, right? There's no need to lie to God. Why? Because he knows all. So just as quickly as we think we are getting over on God, nope, 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 nope. That is not so. He knows all. So here we know God to be here now. We know God to be a loving God, a caring God, and a God that wants relationship with those who desires relationship with him. And so we can share, right? Other scripture says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you and doesn't want you to walk around with those burdens, walk around with those frustrations, walk around and um, anger or anything like that. No, God is available and open for you to cast your cares on him, which is largely why Jesus came so that we can be and have righteousness, right? Or right standing with God. And so even in Matthew, it lets us know for us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The two things um, that Jesus preached and wanted us to do, seek the kingdom of God, right? And so as believers, we have Holy Spirit within us, which is the governor, which gives us the way to understand and to know what the kingdom of God is all about. Um, largely because that was something that Adam lost. In the Garden of Eden, Adam Adam didn't lose life, right? When he sinned, ate of the forbidden fruit, he didn't die instantly. No, he didn't lose his life. No, he didn't lose his place in heaven. What did he lose? He lost the kingdom, right? He and God and Eve, he and God before Eve, right? They were walking about the garden, just frolicking, talking, conversating with each other. And, you know, Adam knew no wrong. However, after sin is when... Adam lost his kingdom position. And so that's what Jesus came to fulfill. And um, so much so that we also call Jesus the second Adam, right? Largely because what Adam did, Jesus came to mend, right? And give us the ability to be kingdom citizens again and walk around with dominion, authority, and power. And that's given through that of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know how I got on that, but all that to say, um, God is good. Thank you for Jesus. And to make sure that we know what Jesus's message was, right? It wasn't to grow the church of believers or grow the faith of Christianity. Like, no, that's, that's not what it was. Jesus said, I'm here to proclaim and to teach the kingdom, right? And, um, and you know, his first words, um, the, the kingdom is at hand. And so anyway, I guess that was just bubbling up on the inside of me and I had to release. I'm like, what in the world? But anyway, verse, excuse me, chapter six, verse one, it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings and discontent. Okay. And that's how it is. And a lot of people get together. Even back then, there will be rumblings and discontent. What is discontent? When people are frustrated about their present situation, circumstances, or conditions, that is discontent. Okay. I'm sure you have some coworkers that are discontent because of their working conditions. I'm sure you have some family members that are discontent because of your blessings that aren't the same as their blessings and your places aren't the same as their places. So they are discontent with where they are, right? And we can see all that to see. Discontent comes from a lack of focus on the proper things or discontent comes from comparison to others as opposed to realizing the blessings that we have. And so 
Bunshakalaka, the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Like, come on. Come on, we are separated there as there are separations even and now. However, the separation at this time was between the Hebrew speaking believers and the Greek speaking believers. So much so that the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. This became such a thing that there needed to be a meeting amongst all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So it became such a kerfuffle of fuss, a situation, situation called Call it what you want to call it, that the apostles had to call all of the believers together, and then they came up with a beautiful, beautiful plan. What was the plan? We have things that we need to do, says the apostles, and y'all need to go ahead and select seven people, seven people that are full of the spirit, right? The Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Why? Because these men, these people, these seven that were chosen were going to take care of the conflict. So that's a beautiful approach to management, right? To delegation of power, to delegation of authority. When you, if you may be a business owner or you may be a leader in whatever space that you're in and problems arise so much so that you are distracted from what you are purposed to do, you are destined to do, you are are anointed to do, you are qualified to do, and your assignment, you should delegate that responsibility to somebody that is responsible enough to carry it the way you would carry it so that you don't have to think about it, right? And so that's where the lack of macromanagement comes because if it was somebody that wasn't full of the spirit or full of wisdom, the apostles would have to micromanage them, which would pull them from what they were doing as opposed to what they were doing to try to make sure they can still teach and proclaim the word, but then make sure what was going on was still taking place. Well, no, the apostles knew there was a secret. And what is the secret? If somebody is full of the spirit of God, as well as wisdom, they will have the capability, ability, the unction, the knowledge, the understanding to be able to delegate and handle such problems so that they would not have to think about it anymore. So we, as people now could take notes to what the apostles did, because as problems arise as we grow financially as we grow in our business as we grow family wise there will be things and times that uh situations will occur and it may not be in our best interest to continue to handle those problems no you hire somebody no you delegate somebody and then the apostles lets us know the qualifications that will best serve us who what are they somebody that is spirit-filled and full of wisdom so I don't want to just graze over that because, you know, sometimes people can focus on certain things, but I think that's the part that is highlighted to us and that we can be edified through. All right. So there's that. Verse five, everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. So here are the people that were chosen amongst the believers to handle the problems that were arising. We have Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. We also have Philip, another name, pro Carus, right? And then uh, another one, and then another one, and then another one, and another one, right? Uh, the last one being Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish 
faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So seven were chosen. And I love that Stephen was even highlighted and emphasized, which we'll probably later read about Stephen, where it says a man that's full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And so once the people were chosen, then the apostles prayed for these uh, seven men and laid their hands on them as they did so. In verse 7, so God's message continued to spread. The numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And I love that because I have it written in the Bible, order before increase. So this lets me know and should let us know as well that the apostles would not have been able to greatly increase the believers as well as continue to spread the word if they were still handling those minute problems. Why is it minute? Because it was an argument between two people over food. All right. So to the people, it seems like a big deal, right? But to the apostles, they had an assignment a purpose, a destiny, and a role. And those things were not to handle such issues, but they put order in the camp, put order amongst the people by delegating seven to handle those things. And when those people were in place, right, after the selection process went place, after the people chose, after they prayed and laid hands on them, they then went out and handled business and the apostles were then left to be able to do what they were called, anointed, destined, and purpose to do. So I'm asking you, ladies, and gentlemen, what is it that is withholding you from being able to fulfill and accomplish your purpose, your plan, uh, your destiny that God has for you, your vision that God has for you, that God has spoken to you? Maybe it is that you are handling some things that you need to delegate, to hand over, to pass on to somebody else, to trust somebody else enough that they can handle those things so that you can fulfill the plan and purpose that God has for you. And so I would say, take note. And what the apostles did and know that that's something that we can even do today. Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Again, the man that we had read about before, which was said, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. But here it says, a man of, or excuse me, a man full of God's grace and power perform amazing miracles and signs among the people. So Stephen was showing out for the Lord, right? Stephen was showing out for God and being all that God wanted him to be. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Jews um, from Serene Alexander, Serene Alexandria, Caesarea, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit with which with which Stephen spoke. Of course, of course, of course. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, nobody can stand against that truth, right? And so I even love this part more than anything because it reminds us as believers that when we are standing on the Word of God as well as being empowered by the Spirit of God, there is nothing that can stand against us, no matter what it is. As the Bible lets us know in uh, further books down the line in the New Testament, uh, greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's within the world, right? And so with that spirit on the inside, you are all to the good. In verse 11, it says, so they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen. Look at that. Look at that. The 
haters, the people that was losing, conspired against Steven so much so that they had to get somebody else to do some uh, dirty business, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. Look at this. Lies were said about Stephen so much so he found himself before the high council. Come on now. And so that, that even reminds me that when you are doing things for the Lord, there may be some opposition that comes your way, but rest assured, as the story goes, um, there's more, right? And so let us not be worried about the opinions of men. Let us not be worried about what the naysayers are saying or what the culture of today is saying, right? The enemies, the hate, the others will come. However, what you do for God will last, that's one. However, as well, we know that God is not only for us, but he is with us and he has already gone before us so here it is verse 13 it says the lying witnesses said this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of moses we have heard him say that this jesus of nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses had handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. So these jokers was lying about Stephen. Stephen won't say anything. However, his face was saying everything. Verse, excuse me, chapter 7. Verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Hiram. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into a land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Hiran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob. And when Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs of the Israelite nation. Here it is. See, Stephen right here giving facts, right? Stephen giving facts based off what was passed down through the law as well as the prophets. So in other words, Stephen is letting them know, the high council know that not only is what was said a lie, however, I'm also knowledgeable of what took place during that time and I'm aware and I believe it to be true, right? So I love the way Stephen is working through what is being said. However, what also is even said during this time is that Abraham, right, was given the knowledge about circumcision. And so we can even trace back and know that circumcision began then, right? And so shouts out to Abraham, hearing from God. Um, that's only from a male's 
Anyway, I'm not getting into that, but outside of that, it was passed down. So Abraham did it to his son, Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob, and uh, Isaac did it to his son, Jacob, on the eighth day. And then Jacob gave birth, well, not Jacob, but Jacob was the father of the 12 men that uh, were are, were and are representative of the 12 Israelite nations. So uh, shouts out to Jacob, right? And then on verse 9 says, These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor, favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom, so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of his palace. So if you do not know the story of Joseph, the the one, the, the favored son of many colors that had the coat of many colors, you should definitely go check out that story. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. If I was to put it in a nutshell, it would be that Joseph had a dream given to him by God that he would um, be a leader and his brothers and his father would bow down to him and the brothers did not like that dream they did not like what their brother joseph was saying they already hated on him and so they conspired to kill him however there was one of the brothers like no 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 let's not kill him let's just put him in a ditch and we'll just tell our dad that uh, an animal came and ate him killed him and all those things blah 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 so then joseph they sold him sold him to some um people right and he ended up in egypt and um joseph uh, was a great man, right? Joseph was handling business. Joseph was about his business. And then uh, Potter's first wife attempted to uh, uh, get Joseph to have relations with her. And Joseph ran because he was a good man. And Joseph ran leaving his jacket or coat there. And the wife of Potiphar then cried out and was like, Joseph, uh, your servant tried to get me, blah, 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 blah. He ended up in jail. Long story short, Joseph told um, the meanings of dreams to those that were in jail and those people came out of jail were with the king the king had a dream couldn't figure out what the dream was about asked all his sorcerers and um tarot card readers and all the people of black magic to try to help him they couldn't figure it out but then the people that were in the jail with joseph was like hey i remember a dude that remembered or could interpret my dream maybe we should go get him Joseph got cleaned up, brought out, interpreted the king's uh, dream so much so that the king gave him power over Egypt to carry out the prophecy that was spoken of as the understanding of the dream. Beautiful, beautiful story, right? And again, I left out parts. However, it is a reminder a reminder of when God gives you a dream or a vision about what's ahead, don't worry about the moments in between, right? And it's easy to say when you know the end of the story, especially for Joseph. However, I'm living in faith, by faith right now, right? God has given me a vision of some things. God has given me a plan and a dream of some things. And now we are acting on it, right? Like I said in the beginning, so much so that we are getting things together to move, right? Move out of our house in Tampa, Florida, all the way over to Johannesburg, South Africa, because it was something that God said to do. So I'm saying all that to say, right? These stories in the Bible are not just stories for us to read and to say, oh, that was good for them, but it's stories for us to read to be able to build our confidence, our belief, our faith, our hope in the God that did it for these people, knowing that God will also do it for us as well. And so we read about Joseph, all that to say, right? He's talking about Joseph. And I think that's cool. Um, 
But then here it is in verse 11, I believe. Note verse 10. I'll read starting in verse 9. Uh, These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh anointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was great misery and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob, and all his relatives came to Egypt. Seventy-five persons in all. There were seventy-five relatives that uh, Joseph had back, right? And so... Joseph went to Egypt, excuse me, Jacob went to Egypt where Joseph was. He died there, as did our ancestors. Their bodies were taken to Shekin and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for a certain price from Hamar's sons in Shechem. Shechem, Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But God then a new king, but then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. So again, this is the prophecy that was fulfilled to Abraham that um, Stephen is talking about. So Stephen is walking these jokers down a trail of, I know what I'm talking about and what was said about me is a lie so much so I know these things and I believe these things to be so, all right? And so we're going to continue to hear about what Stephen was saying. Verse 20, it says, At that time, Moses was born a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. So Moses, um, most blessed, right? One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian uh, mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. So Moses was an Israelite, uh, just as Stephen is saying, you know, our fellow people as Israelites. However, um, in telling the story about Moses, Moses was raised by the Egyptians, the Egyptians that were rulers over the Israelites, okay? And so um, there was a time when Moses was 40 years old that he saw a Israelite and a uh, Egyptian going at each other and to defend his people, the Israelites, he killed the Egyptian. And so it goes on to say the next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting his people. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made, who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked, because he was seeing and hearing Moses as an 
Egyptian. Why? Because his speech, his intellect, his ways of doing things, the way he looked uh, because he was raised by the uh, king's daughter, right? And so he had the garments and the look of an Egyptian. However, his people, the Israelites, didn't even see him as the aid, the help, the one that was going to be a source of freedom for them. And it says, um, but, 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 are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Wow. When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There, his two sons were born. So Moses was so scared that that man dipped out. He left. He was like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, I was not expecting such a reception of what um, I did amongst my people. And then Moses realized how fast word can spread, okay? It spread so much so that, what say, two days later, the next day? Uh, yeah, the next day, uh, two Israelites was like, wait a minute, don't come for me as you did that Egyptian. And so Moses had two sons in the land of Midian. 40 years later, so again, now we're at 80. Uh, Moses being 80 years old, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. So an angel uh, came in the form of a burning bush, right? That's what it says. That's what it says. Yep. Uh, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. So in the flame of a burning bush, an angel appeared to Moses. And then the voice of God then came, declaring who he, God, was. Verse 33. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I love that, right? Um, which is why we take off our shoes at our door, at our house, right? Because now you are walking on holy ground as you are walking in our home and other reasons, too cleanliness as well but i love that i'm gonna start i'm gonna take that you when you are in the jones home you are walking on holy ground so please take your shoes off your shoes your sandals your boots your uggs your crocs whatever you have take them off you on holy ground come on now that might help you know clink keep some houses clean from people watching and listening on the episode on the podcast and then it goes on to say i'm trying to get to like what steven finishes before we go Verse 34, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. God's like, I heard what's going on. I hear their cries and I'm here to save them. And I want you, Moses, to go and to be my conduit for the salvation of Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? 40 years later, keep in mind, through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to there to be their ruler and savior. So not only did God want them to be their savior, but God wanted Moses to be their ruler to help them out of the situation that they were in. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt. So, so many signs, right? Make sure you go check those out. Through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. So now Moses is 120 years old, okay? 
Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angels spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us. And we don't know what has become of Moses who brought us out of Egypt. Egypt. So the people that Moses was sent to, right, the Israelites, who he was called to be the ruler and savior of, as they were going through the wilderness, they were getting anxious, okay? So much so that they was like, I would rather go back and be a slave than go through whatever it is that Moses is having us to go through. However, it was their mindset. Their mindset has not and did not shift from being a slave to walking into freedom, right? God had a land that was flowing with milk and honey that was for them. However, their mindset was such in a slavish mentality, a weaker than a lesser than mentality that they were not able to receive the more, the greater, the better that God had for them that they were walking into. All they could see was the doom, the gloom, the lack. However, there was no lack. How do I know? Because they were being fed every day. Fresh manna was falling from the sky every day. So much so that it wasn't even able, they weren't even able to like save it because it would perish away, right? It was enough for the day, which is why even in the Lord's, not the Lord's prayer, but the prayer in which Jesus prayed when they asked Jesus to teach him how to pray, give us his day, our daily bread. That is a reflection of what happened back then. They were giving their daily bread each and every day. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish this, right? Within our 30 minutes. And so, so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna stop right here, right? I'm gonna stop verse 42. So they made an idol shaped like a calf and they sacrificed it they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing they had made then god turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods in the book of prophets it is written was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during those 40 years in the wilderness in israel and so ending off in verse 42 uh god speaks of them they turn right and there we can see the beginning of worshiping uh, not the beginning but a time in which people were worshiping idol gods they built a god and then start worshiping and giving sacrifices to that god that they built um out of confusion out of um just a lack of patience, a lack of clarity, and a lack of faith. And so all that to say, let us not be weary in well-doing because in due season we will reap if we faint not. That is the word. And oftentimes people get weary in well-doing and then they, they cease to continue the walk of faith, the, the life of belief, the lack of a lack of life of hope and expectation that God wants for us all. And so we resurrect our own gods, right? Whether it's a job that's our God or a person that's providing for us that may be our God or the lottery, right? The lottery is a lot of people gods. Why? Because they worship it by giving their money to it, right? The Bible lets us know that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so the people were sacrificing their treasures to this God. And so that's where their heart was. People, some people are devoted to 
playing a lottery with the idea of hope and expectation of one day they are going to hit. And with the idea that when I hit, then I'm good. I'm free. I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to worry about nothing. And they probably wouldn't pray about anything. However, let us not be those type of people as in um, the book that we read about today. Um, but also always focus on God, the author and finisher of our faith. So that was Stephen. Stephen kept going, right? All the way to chapter eight. And so we'll probably pick up on that next week. Um, the conclusion of what Stephen was saying in response to the high council as the lies were said about him. And so I love Stephen's response because he gave us a knowledge of what took place in the past that fueled him and gave him the fire and the vigor to do what he was doing in the present. So with that being said, Greg Huba, I appreciate you all for rocking with me, even in the change of scenery and place and no telling where we're going to be next week, right? So make sure y'all tune in on YouTube if you're watching or on the uh, podcast as well. If you're listening, we're going to have some fun wherever we are because whatever, whenever we are reading the word, there is always fun, 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 fun times ahead. And so I appreciate you all. I love you all. Thank you for rocking with your boy. And we're going to continue in the word. Until then, I love you all. Peace. Yeah.